Well, good morning, Brookside. It's great to see you today. You know, I'm really excited for this passage that we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 9. And the reason why I'm excited to teach through it is because it just overflows with this thing called hope. And I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of hope. And so I think this morning as we go through Acts 9, you'll, you'll really see um, what I'm referring to. Because we're going to get just a simple reminder this morning of who God is, what God is really like. And so let me just say a prayer for us now. And let's just say, God... We want to hear from you now, um, from your word. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Um, Thank you that you meet us where we're at today. Lord, I think of um, different people in the room that have had a phenomenal week. Others maybe that are really struggling. They've had some big challenges come their way. But Father, we thank you this morning that as your children, Lord, you deeply love us. And you long for us to hear from you. And so now, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would inspire us, Lord, maybe that you would convict us, that you would lead us, and God, most of all, we pray that you would draw us close to you. God, we love you, and uh, we give you this time, we trust you for it, we pray in your name, amen. Well, let me ask you a question this morning to begin with, and it might be a question that's actually a little bit uncomfortable. The question is this, have you ever given up on anybody? Have you ever written somebody off? Maybe you were in their life for a period of time and, and you watched them go through a couple of different seasons and over time you just thought, man, I really, I was praying even maybe for this in their life or I was really hoping that this would happen and, and it just, it, it's just not. It's as though they're even rejecting the very things that I'm most hoping that would be true of their life. And after a period of time, it wasn't as though you ever mentally, you know, just said, hey, I or maybe texted them and just said, just so you know, I'm writing you off today. It wasn't as though you ever did that, but just mentally you kind of checked out. Maybe you kind of distanced yourself from them. You sort of gave up on them. Or maybe now, think of it on the other side, flip the other side of the coin. Do you know what it's like to be given up on? Do you know what it's like when somebody maybe who was a key part of your life and they were continually pursuing you and and maybe kind of reaching out to you and including you and and all of a sudden you notice that the, the calls stopped coming. They didn't walk across the street anymore or whatever it is. And you just realize, oh, I think, they, I think they gave up on me. And you know that feeling, don't you? The passage that we're going to look at, and I think we'd all agree, that's not a good feeling, is it? But the passage that we're going to look at this morning is one, again, that I think gives us great hope because what we're going to learn is this key truth this morning. Here it is. This is our main point for this morning. It says, no one is beyond God's power or God's purpose, not even you. What we're going to see in Acts chapter 9 is that there is no one, absolutely no one on planet earth that is beyond God's power of of God coming into their life and drawing them close to the God who loves them. There's no one that's beyond God's power, but there's also nobody that's beyond God's purpose. That God looks at your life and he doesn't say, hey, I've got a small vision for your life. Even maybe if you've given up on yourself, God says, no, 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 I've got something incredible for your life, significant for your life. There is no one beyond God's power or God's purpose. And then I put on there, not even you. And that's not meant as a jab, but that's meant as I know that it's just a reality. There are people in the room this morning and you would say, I've kind of given up on myself. I've kind of maybe settled for a life that maybe is less than what God would truly have for me. And so this reminder that we're going to get this morning, it's a powerful one. No one is beyond God's power. No one is beyond God's purpose. I was reminded of this just a couple of weeks ago. When I first came to Brookside, Christine and I, when we came, 
Uh, I, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and in one of the first classes that we had, we had one student that I really sensed early on that I really should spend a lot of time with this student. And so I did. I invested a lot of time in his life. You know, he lived pretty close to us, so we gave him a ride here and back, and we had a lot of meals together. But it was really hard for me because over the course of the years, as he progressed and as he got to his senior year, his life got kind of crazy. His family life got really hard, and it was really hard for me to watch because he began to grow further and further from God. And then he would, went off to, uh, to, to college, graduated, went off to school, and I didn't see him for a number of months. And then, you know, he came back, and, and all of a sudden he kind of reappeared, and he said, he said, hey, I, I want to walk with God. I've experienced what it's like to not have God in my life, and, and I want to pursue a God again. I was all encouraged by that, and, and then boom, it was like a magic show. He was, he was gone again, and then, and then he'd come back, and he would reappear a couple years or maybe uh, months later, and, and I, I kept trying to tell him, we meet every single week, you know, like we're here, you know, and, and you can come, and, and we'd love to keep seeing you, and, but he kept just kind of coming in and out and in and out, and so then a couple weeks ago, um, sure enough, I hadn't seen this individual for probably seven, eight years. He comes walking through the door just a couple weeks ago, and, and now he's in his upper 20s, which makes me feel really old that I had him in middle school, right? And when, you're, when your students, your middle school students start having their own kids, you know, it makes you feel a certain way. And, but there he was a couple weeks ago, and I just, oh, give him a big hug. It was so good to see him. And, and we talked, we caught up. He sat right back there in the back with me throughout the whole service, and and I just thought to myself, I've got this reminder. It's as though God tapped me on the shoulder again that morning through the life of this student and reminded me of something he had reminded me of over and over again as I thought about the student. It's this, Jeff, I never gave up on you. So why would you give up on anyone? Why would you write anyone off? I never have given up on you. This morning we're going to see in Acts chapter 9 an example of this that is so significant, that God's power is so real. No one is beyond it. Maybe even this morning your own story signifies this reality. And maybe you're even here today and you would say, you know what, I'm so grateful that that coach, that that neighbor, that that coworker, maybe even the person that brought you here today, that they didn't give up on me, but they saw that God had something significant, something special for my life, and they kept pursuing me. We're going to see up close and personal the story of a man who exemplifies the fact that no one is beyond God's power or God's purpose. It's a person in the scriptures that is incredibly well known. If you've been a follower of Christ for any period of time, you likely know a lot about this person. For others of you, you might not know much about him at all. We see in the New Testament that he was referred to first as Saul. He was referred to as Saul of Tarsus. Later, he became known as Paul. And to understand a little bit about who he was, to understand a little bit about who he became, his resume, his CV, who he was as his life progressed, I want to give you some stats. I want to help you understand some things that describe, that, that really marked his life. The first number is this. Here it is. It's number 13. Uh, 13 of the 27 New Testament books were accredited, are accredited, to the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was a significant figure as you read your Bible. Somebody in our small group the other night just said this. She said, man, we're reading through the, new, the, the book of Acts. She said, man, the apostle Paul, what a man of God. 
Uh, next statistic with him, five. We know this about the, about, about, about the Apostle Paul. He went on five missionary journeys. Three of them were long. He traveled. Two of them were short. He traveled all over the place helping people know Jesus Christ. That was his mission. Next one, 14 to 20. We know this about the Apostle Paul. 14 to 20 is the number of churches that he is accredited to as establishing as the church was beginning to form. Imagine that. He's traveling all over and he's establishing these churches. Next one, four. We know this about him. He went to four provinces where there was no gospel presence, none, in a little over 10 years. And he brought the gospel to that place. Next one, 13,400. That's the number of miles that the Apostle Paul traveled. Again, proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. This was a man who traveled a lot. And these were not frequent flyer models, sitting sit coach, you know, eating peanuts and free pop. Not at all. These were tough miles. But he did it because he was committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Six, that's the number of years that he spent behind bars. He spent behind bars because of his association with Jesus Christ. The next one, 195. We know that the Apostle Paul, five times, what did the Jews do? They beat him with, they lashed him. He received 195 lashings, some on his chest, some on his back. And they did that because they didn't like the fact that he was so boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Three, we know that Paul, he received beatings with rods three different times. I mean, imagine his story. We know that one time he was, he was beaten with stones, you know? I mean, he, people, his accusers stood a distance from him, and they took rocks and they chucked them at him. Why? Because of his association with Christ. Two and one, we know this about him. He appeared before two governors. Paul had a lot of influence. He had a huge platform that God gave to him. And then we also know this. He also was before one king. Again, this platform of influence, he was tried, he went before major leaders, and then lastly one, we know that it only took one time for Paul to be sentenced to death by beheading. For why? For proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What a journey. You know, you read that or you kind of listen to that, what a man of faith. And we look at the Apostle Paul and we say, wow, he is to be esteemed. What an influential person who, when the gospel was being proclaimed, this movement called the way, Christianity, when it was spreading, Paul was there. And Paul was on the front line. He was proclaiming the message of grace and forgiveness and peace and life with God. But we also know this. You look at that list of achievements and you look at it and you go, man, there's such evidence that God was all over the life of the Apostle Paul. But if you look at his journey of how he got there, even more so than the things behind his name, you look at the God who rescued him and you go, wow, I see something in God this morning that is so incredibly amazing. Because here's the reality that played out in Paul's life. If you would have gone to high school with the Apostle Paul and and then say 15 years later, you would have showed up at the 15-year class reunion. And you would have talked to Paul and he would have started to tell you about his life and the things that he had been up to in the last 15 years and how he had changed. And then he would have told you his new aspirations. You would have looked at this man and you would have said, you got to the party too early. You've been drinking too much, my friend, <laughs> right? Because you don't even know who you are. You don't even know who you are. If you look at his life, and now we're going to look at it in verse 1 of chapter 9, what we know is this. 
Paul, what we see later on, was unrecognizable to the man that he was when he originally, we see him enter into the scriptures. And so it says this in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, meanwhile... And we know, as we've been trekking through the book of Acts, what's been happening? The gospel has been spreading passionately. People are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lives are being changed. People are experiencing freedom from sin that they've never had before. Meanwhile, while all of that's happening, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, even just the language there is very interesting. He was breathing out murderous threats. I mean, think about that choice of words. It was as though it was at the core of who he was. It was what he was doing. As common as you breathe air, he was breathing out. It was his mission that consumed him. He was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. What did he do? He went to the high priest. Again, it shows Paul had authority. He had influence. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Now, Paul's been in Jerusalem. Now he wants to go to Damascus. He wants to expand his territory. I've been persecuting over here. I want to persecute Christians now in Damascus. Why? So that if he found, why did he get these letters? So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And then it says this. Bring up that next slide. There we go. As he neared Damascus on his journey, it says this, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now, this was dramatic. I mean, the apostle Paul now, this light from heaven is coming, and now the apostle Paul, this guy that's been persecuting Christians, now he's going to go on a completely different track. But I want you to know this, before that ever happened... We see another glimpse of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 8, there's the first Christian martyr, likely, Stephen. And he's lying there. And who gives approval that Stephen was dead? This is the Apostle Paul. Think about this. Paul was motivated. Why was he so passionate? Why did he so want Christians? Why did he so want this movement not to proceed? He was so passionate because he did not believe that these teachings lined up with the teachings of Judaism. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And the Apostle Paul surely did not believe, and he surely did not want to hear from these ten fishermen. He didn't want to hear anything from them about the fact that you couldn't earn your way to God. Because if you know anything about Paul, you know he was type A. He got after it. And he didn't want to hear that you couldn't earn your way to God, but that you simply received grace. You received forgiveness through faith in Christ. He was a tormentor. The very thing that he ended up dying for was the thing that he so was against. He was a chief persecutor. But yet he became this chief proponent of Christianity. He went from bully to being a hero. He went from a man that found so much pride in beating down this movement called Christianity to this man who would have said, I take pride now in being associated with Christ even if it costs me my life. That's the journey that he went. Now just imagine for a second the most far from God person that you can imagine in your life. Try to picture them in your mind right now. Who would you think of? Who would that be? Now imagine that person coming into faith in Christ and becoming a leading proponent for this faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Imagine that. 
Paul's entire life was an assault on Jesus. Let me ask you, what, what might you feel like disqualifies you from the grace of God? Do you wake up sometimes and you're just filled with guilt and shame? It just overwhelms you? Do you ever feel like, God, I just, man, I just, I'm a person of fear. Do you ever feel that way? What is it that, 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 that just, you would say, that just disqualifies me? Find so much hope this morning because, again, think of who Paul was. And then this happens. As he neared Damascus on his journey, boom, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now take great hope in this verse as well because as a Christian, what Jesus was saying was a very strong message. When you persecute the church, it's as though you're persecuting me. As Paul opposed Christianity, Paul was opposing God himself. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul, they, they stood there. I mean, imagine the scene, speechless, and they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. And then it says, Saul got up and from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could, not, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand into Damascus, the place where he wanted to go persecute. And for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Now you have to wonder, what was going through Paul's mind in those three days? And one thing is for sure, we know that in those three days, God said, okay, I'm going to make you physically blind so that spiritually, Paul, you can begin to see. Paul, you can't see the condition of your heart, but now I'm going to open it up. I'm going to allow you to see who you are and for you to see who I am. It takes us to verse 10. We see this second character come in. It says, in Damascus then there was a disciple named Ananias. You might be able to relate to his story a little bit. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and that he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is saying, Lord, I don't know if you know about Paul, <clears throat> but let me tell you, Paul's a bad man. <laughs> I got to inform you. And Lord, just let me tell you, not only did I never believe in him, but if you're asking me if I would give up on this one, surely I would give up on the apostle Paul. I've heard many reports about him. Don't you know, Lord, why he's here? Don't you know what his whole cause is? And then it says this, verse 15. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, you, go. This is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Hey, Ananias, this is my chosen instrument. Ananias, I know the people that the apostle Paul is going to reach. I know the sons and the daughters of Israel. I know the Gentiles that he's going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to. Ananias, he's my chosen instrument. Don't get in the way. Ananias, go. Can you relate to Ananias? Have you ever felt God says, hey, I want you to do this, but you just feel like, yeah, but Lord, 
and you start to give the Lord the reasons why you shouldn't do what he's asking you to do, think about this for a second. God is going to give grace. He's giving grace to Saul. Think about how far God has been from the life of the Apostle Paul. He was religious, but Jesus was completely a different story. He was not even close to Jesus at all. Now, here's the thing. Find hope in that this morning. There is no one that is beyond God's power. There is no one in this room that is beyond the grand purpose of God. Find hope in that. Verse 17, response. Then Ananias, what did he do? He went to the house and he entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom, whom appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, and he's probably thinking, to likely kill me, has sent me now so that, here's the purpose, God's purpose for Paul, so that you may see again. And so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, that, hey, God's going to do something significant in you. And then verse 18 says this. It says, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. And he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, imagine that. These scales fall from Saul's eyes. And so now we've got this new guy. We've got Paul the apostle. And wow, God's going to do great things through him. But notice, just a total side note here. But Tim talked about this a lot last weekend. So I want to just quickly revisit it. Notice, what did, what did he do right after he put his faith in Christ. He was baptized. Right away, Saul says, you know what, I'm, I need to be identified publicly with Christ. I need to be identified in, you know, when we baptize someone, we go under and we say, under the water, and we say, you were buried with Christ in his death, meaning you recognize, hey, Jesus, he was put in the grave, but then you were raised to walk a new life. Romans 6, you come out of the water. What does that signify? You're identifying with his resurrection. And then we say, you're made to new life, Right? Paul, right away, gets baptized. If you've not been baptized, total side note here, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, go online. We've got, we're going to do a big baptism on, on Easter Sunday. Be baptized. Notice what, what happened right there immediately. Now, if you were to ask me, Jeff, take me to one passage that most signifies this e extravagant change that took place in the life of the Apostle Paul, I would so quickly take you to Philippians chapter 3. It's a New Testament passage that it signifies, it, it's like looking at it, it's getting the inside scoop, it's like looking at the diary of the Apostle Paul and saying, okay, really, what happened? What happened at the deepest level of his soul? So it says this, verse 7, it says, but, Paul speaking here, but whatever were gains to me. Now, if we would have read through verses 1 through 6, Paul lists out, these were all the things in my life that I used to take a ton of pride in. And he lists things like his education and his zeal and his family line and how important that was. Things, little, little check marks behind his name that he goes, this, these were all the things being raised up, being taught by Gamaliel, all that stuff that were behind my name. But then he says this, now I consider all of those, I consider them a loss for the sake of Christ. But what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and he did. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. 
He says this, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then I love this. This is, this is the bottom line of the Apostle Paul's life. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. And then verse 12 is very important. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this. Meaning, you might have been impressed earlier on by all the numbers behind my name. But not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What I love about the story of the Apostle Paul, not only does God's power, is that not reserved for anyone. Everybody has access to the power of God, but also God's purpose. The Apostle Paul is looking at his life, and he's saying, Jesus Christ took a hold of me. He's saying, God, you've made me zealous. I was zealous before. Like if you did strengths finders on the Apostle Paul pre-Christ and then after he accepted Christ, I think you'd get the same top five for him. You know why? He was the same guy, but his orientation changed. God did something in his heart. He was still zealous, but now he was zealous for Jesus Christ. There's a video that I want to show you here that, that played at last year's Leadership Summit. And the reason why I want to show it to you is this. It's because I think it puts some teeth on what does it mean to have your life oriented around something big, around something that is a purpose of God. What does it mean for you and I, Monday through Friday, what does it mean for you to go to your job, but not just to do your job or how, whatever you do, but to do it with a grander purpose in mind? Because that's what the Apostle Paul did. He took all of his gift mix and he, began, he reoriented them. So take a look now. Take a look at this example, this man. United States Air Force fighter pilots are the most laser-focused, passionate people you'll ever meet. If your reaction time is off by less than half a second, it is a life-or-death situation. They have to be that good. My job is to teach Air Force pilots the art and science of being a fighter pilot. When I got into the Air Force, the goal was I'm gonna be the best fighter pilot on the planet. And then I started looking to people that I worked with. They're really good at flying the jet and instructing, but some of them are in a very broken state. When somebody develops you in the military, they focus on the career progression, and that didn't allow for growth in other areas and the overall growth of a human being. We see it time and time again in our community. People are so good at being a fighter pilot, but they're missing these other critical elements. I was jazzed when I got this assignment. I thought this would be an opportunity to change. We could do things better. 
our most precious commodity is not this, this jet. It is that wingman, and it's you, you the instructor pilot, and it's your family. And if we don't take care of that wingman, that instructor pilot, and if we don't develop them, then we failed. So we went right after the flight commanders. And we said, we are gonna make you a better fighter pilot, a better instructor, a better husband, a better father. I'm gonna make you a better leader. That is what we're gonna do over the next two years in the 435th. For a long time, the military has worked on a leader-follower mentality. And one of the things Kaiser's really focused on is it's a leader-leader mentality. So it's leaders who are developing more leaders. One of the things we do in the squadron to develop the leadership team is we'll get together and we'll watch a video or go through a reading and we'll sit around the table and, and discuss what spoke to us in the room about what we just watched. How can we apply it? We're constantly looking for opportunities to meet with people from within the Air Force, out of the Air Force, academia, and we'll, as much as possible, try to get in a room with them uh, in a small group situation and pick their brains. Serving under Kaiser's changed my leadership in some significant ways. One of those ways is the idea that if where the squadron's at right now is, is not where it could be, you need to cast that vision and show people where we can be, then you also need to provide them with a way to get there. And then the second one would be taking care of people. He comes in in front of the whole class, and the first thing he tells them is, I'm proud of you, I care about you, I trust you, and I love you. He takes each individual person in the areas that that person needs to grow, and then very intentionally, he focuses on those areas. He sent me a text message one night, and he told me I should go to marital counseling with my wife. Not because there was a problem, because he wanted me to focus on that part of my development, and we did. We went to marital counseling because Kaiser told me I should, and we're better for it. In our world, it's tough to be vulnerable. It is tough to open up and say, I need to get better, and I am not as good in this area as I should be. And the only way we could get our fighter pilots to open up and get better is we had to first show that we were vulnerable and we needed to expose where we needed to get better. As much as all this sounds great, it doesn't, you know, amount to a hill of beans unless you're accomplishing your mission. We just had another inspection, and of all the squadrons in our wing, guess who shows up as the best squadron? It's the 435th. Our washout rate decreased by 85%. That means they don't have to retrain, and that translates to millions of dollars that the Air Force is saving. This message resonates with Air Force leadership. They want to know how we're doing this. What is the model? His role is not in making sure that we're doing the mission. That's the director of operations job. That's his second in command's job. His job is to lead the squadron. His job is to build the Air Force's next great leaders. He asked me the first time we met is, do you care? And at first I'm like, well, of course I care. But if you think a little more deeply into that question, if someone cares, you can work with them on anything else. And I think the first step in caring about something is you have to have something that's bigger than you. And Kaiser definitely has something in his life, his faith, that's bigger than him that drives him. 
and it has had a tremendous impact on our squad and the fact that he lives that out. My faith is everything. It's who I am. And I know you're not allowed to go ahead and preach your one religion. And as weird as it sounds, I kind of like the policy. Stop talking about it. Live it out. Live it out the way you lead, the way you teach, the way you treat other people. Our wingmen will not remember anything that I have taught them on basic fighter maneuvers. They won't remember that five years from now. But they will remember how they felt around me. They will remember, I felt inspired by this commander. I felt like he cared about me. And I knew if I didn't meet an expectation, he was gonna make me better because he loved me. The reason why I wanted to show you that clip is because I loved the fact that his orientation changed. Did you catch that when he said right away, he said, when I came into the Air Force, my number one desire was to be the best fighter pilot I could possibly be. And then he said, but, and then his orientation completely changed. It's a difference between you being an educator and looking at your job and just saying, yeah, I'm just, I'm an educator, to being a person that says, you know what, I'm an educator and I've got a, an opportunity to influence the next generation. And not only am I going to be an educator, I'm going to be the best in my field. It's a difference between a business owner saying, you know what, we're going to grow this thing as big as we can to also saying, also saying, we're going to grow people. And we're gonna, I'm going to pour into people and I'm going to walk through every door that God, you would give me the opportunity to. It's the difference between being a parent that says, you know what, I just want to raise some kids that are polite, that just don't burp at the table. Is that a problem at anybody's house other than mine? And, and you know, and, and that's my number one goal, that they'll be well educated and carry on with life. And the difference between that parent saying, you know what, I have an opportunity and God, I pray that in my home, you would raise up some world changers for you. It's a difference, isn't it? It's an orientation. The Apostle Paul was still zealous. The Apostle Paul was overly passionate. The Apostle Paul was still traveling, but he was doing it with something completely different in mind. He had a grander vision. What's the grand vision that God has for you? Because this is so true. There isn't a person in this room this morning that God says, I've got a small little vision for your life. No. God calls you, and he surely calls our church to grand things. He says, I don't want you just to stay where you are. I want you to do great things for me. It's a grander vision. And let me just say this, and let me actually take you to Acts 9, the very end here. I want to show you one more thing in this passage. It says, Paul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, but notice, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, and all those who heard him were astonished and they asked isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests and yet it says Saul grew more and more powerful and what did he do he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah now let me just say this if you are a new Christian notice how quickly Paul began to go out and proclaim. Paul didn't say, you know what, i got to get a little bit of training. Nothing wrong with training. But right away, what was the motivator? If your heart has been captured by Christ, if you're a new Christian, don't wait. Go out. Let the fact that your heart is overwhelmed by the forgiveness and the love of God, things you don't deserve but you get freely, let those just propel you. No one is beyond God's power. 
No one is beyond God's purpose. I want to close in this way. Let me just ask that question again. Is there anyone in your life that you've given up on? Anybody that maybe God would say to you this morning, just pick up the phone and call. Even if you've said it before, it's okay. Just reach out. Continue to express love to them. I was convicted of this this week. Just I wrote down some names of people. I've just kind of, just out of sight, out of mind a little bit. We were talking about this with our small group the other night, and Man, we went around the circle so quickly. People had names of people came to mind that said, yeah, I've, I've kind of given up on that person. Who, who comes to your mind? And then maybe you're the person this morning that you would say this, the person that you've written off is actually you. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Your life has shaped who you are. Who, the things that have happened, the choices that you've made up to today, they have shaped who you are. But... Your identity is rooted, if you're a child of God, your identity is defined as a child of God. And that means something so incredibly significant. Yes, your experiences shape who you are, but your identity defines who you are. And so you can cling to that and say, yes, God. Okay, I might have given up on myself and the future that God has for me. No, you cling to it. I'm a child of the living God. I will settle for nothing less than what he would have for me. And then I wanted to say this. I, I just sense this was a prompting this week. I think it was from God. I know that as I've gone through this today and as I've said over and over again, no one is beyond God's power or God's purpose. There are some of you, the whole time that I've been saying that, you've been thinking of your child or your children. And you talk to a parent of a committed follower of Jesus Christ for very long who has a child that's not walking with God and it comes up quickly in conversation. Came up with me yesterday and with an individual. Very quickly. Why? Because it's right on, the, right on the edge of your heart. You think about it all the time. And I just want to encourage you today. Know this. The Apostle Paul was not looking for God. The Apostle Paul, he wasn't warming up to spiritual things. No one was saying of Paul, wow, I think his heart is beginning to soften. Nobody said that. But God got a hold of him. And I want to encourage you, keep praying. I want to encourage you this morning, find hope in that. And even if this morning, if I could pray with you, I'll be right over here after the service, pray for your child by name. I'd be honored to do that with you. But let's go to God and let's just say, you know what, God? No one, no one is beyond your power. No one is beyond your purpose. And lastly, I was lying in bed last night and I just thought to myself, I thought, man, I, I just want to read that passage one more time. So I got up my phone and read it one more time. And I only got two words in, and I realized this is why I needed to read it again. The heading of Acts chapter 9 says this, two words, Saul's conversion. And I thought to myself, wow, would there be anyone, would there be many even in the room this morning that God would say to you, today I want to write the chapter about your story. Today I want to write you a chapter about how I'm drawing you to myself. I want you to know the God that loves you and offers you grace, forgiveness, and life, and a purpose like you've never experienced before. I want to encourage you, you can call out to him this morning. No one is beyond God's power and God's purpose. So yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you did not give up on me. Father, I thank you that you don't give up on anybody in this room, but God, you call us to know you and to love you. You call us to lean into your purposes. And Lord, we pray for the people this morning in our lives that maybe we would say, yeah, we, I've given up on that person. 
And God, that we would be like Ananias, who though he was afraid, he did go. And so, Father, we pray that we would. And Father, I pray for the person that's here today that would say, I've never experienced your grace. I've never experienced the love of Christ. Right now, even, you can put your faith in Christ and let God write your chapter, your new life in him. Lord, we love you, and we commit these things to you. We pray in your name. Amen.